security tools are used in the right situations. This promotes improved situational awareness and communication about potential risks. I does the grunt work of protecting data and preventing intrusions from other machines verifying the situation and putting plans into action. Cyber security is The time has come to think of security in the context of machine versus machine. Veronikian advises security leaders to think more as augmented intelligence machines working with humans. Machine learning can add in the complicated algorithms necessary to defend data in today's hyper-connected it landscape. Practical uses for I include facial recognition technologies and processes that ensure that the right security tools are used in the right situations. This promotes improved situational awareness and communication about potential risks. I does the grunt work of protecting data and preventing intrusions by other machines, while human analysts act as the second line of defense, verifying the situation and putting plans into action. that could be mistaken for real Netflix domains. In some cases, they're using wildcard DNS records. With a wildcard DNS record, anything.domain.com will point to the same IP address. The researcher said in a post, the attacker will just use a subdomain slash hostname to launch the attack. But I have also seen them use specific domain names registered for the fish.
companies often struggle to build digital trust especially with regard to confirming user identities when they don't have complete customer records or the information they rely on is publicly available. Companies also encounter challenges when cybercriminals exploit new digital Transmission received. You're listening to Man Behind the Machine. Confirm this transmission. Login successful. Transmission complete. Access granted. Logging into the Man Behind the Machine radio hour.
whether you think the new sound of music gives you as much lift and as much pleasure as the tones which came out of this late Victorian barrel organ. But one thing is certain. When this machine, with its wooden roll and its metal pegs which tweak little levers to open and close the stops on the organ pipes and produce the right notes, first appeared on the streets, this was, to the many people who heard it, their first experience of recorded music. And once the engineers realized that they could capture the sound of music mechanically, it was inevitable that music was going to change. Instead of a hedgehog robot stabbing out the notes, with a new control system, much grander performances became possible. Triggering several instruments at once using perforated paper rolls, the fairground was suddenly offering robot music as a new attraction. before the new technology found its way into the home, which meant that, perhaps for the first time, the key musician was no longer limited by his lack of talent. But using... 
But music, he said music was... Sound like this. Later, the gramophone could capture complete performance. Hey, it's the new recorder which made its record. Everybody, a shot, and nothing more than a razor blade. New areas of musical creativity became possible.
average data breach affecting enterprises has surpassed $1 million, according to recent information technology IT security risk data. According to AME survey by cybersecurity company Kaspersky Lab, the average cost of a data security incident for large corporations in 2018 rose to $1.23 million, 24% higher than last year's average of $992,000. The machine uses only two sounds produced electrically. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. In the next selection, the computer sings a familiar ditty. Piano students will notice that the music-producing computer has a rather stylized left hand. This week, Australia's biggest ever computer exhibition was held in Sydney. For three days, the display centre at Centrepoint was filled with silicon chips and floppy disks and liquid crystal display units. Now, for my money, the star of the show was this, the Fairlight Computer Musical Instrument. It's uh, $26,000 worth of electronic wizardry that's been developed over the last five years by Kim Ryrie and Peter Vogel. Peter, show us the amazing things it can do. Well, here we're using a computer to actually generate the sounds that we hear. So instead of having vibrating strings or air columns like in conventional instruments, the computer generates the sound that we want. The, the important thing is the ease with which the musician can define to the computer, this is the sort of sound I want, please make it for me. Now, to make that easy, we've created a light pen system, which is this device here, that allows you to draw directly onto this television screen the harmonic curves of right. the sound. Now, this is the picture of a sound. That's what the sound looks like to the computer, so that we know what, what sound the computer's thinking about. Would you like to show us what sound that well, is? this particular spectrum sounds like this. Right. Well, now, how does a composer working with the CMI, the Fairlight, change that? Well, I might select to change one of these harmonics. So I've taken the fifth harmonic here, and I'm just working on that curve on its own, drawing a new one. So now that curve swells up towards the end there, and I'll make the tenth harmonic do a similar sort of thing. Now, when I hit the compute command here, the computer's now thinking about the curves I've drawn here and calculating the sound that, if fed into a spectrum analyzer, would look like that, and that'll sound a bit different. You can hear the higher harmonics growing in the duration of the sound. And that's the kind of experimentation that a composer would engage in. But if he wanted a particular sound, the sound of a church bell or a trumpet or a violin, what does he do? Well, in those circumstances, we can simply plug a microphone into the machine and tell it, OK, computer, here's a sample of the sound that I want. See what you can do with it. So, 
For example, with the human voice, we can say, blah. And there's a picture of that blah. Right, that so that's, that's the trace of that. And you can then put that through the, the unit. Blah. 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 That's rather cute, isn't it? What about natural sounds? Um, if you want to get the sound of the sea built into a, um, a piece of music, something of that sort. I've got something here which is quite a good example of that. This is a, a group of natural sounds which were recorded by this technique, but then used in a musical sort of way. And this was done by a Sydney composer who was writing a piece for an experimental theatre work which, in which the scene was someone making a cup of tea. And it had to be reminiscent of making tea and also be music at the same time to fit in with the whole thing. Right. So what the machine is loading now is the sounds of making tea. We've got, first of all, pouring water. And we'll throw the spoon in. Stir it around a bit. And, and you can play those sounds like a piece of music. Right, they're pitched to the keyboard. Or you can have them simultaneously. That's rather delightful. Now, the machine can do just about everything. Can it play itself, as it were? Sure, that's another thing that the computer is very useful for. A lot of musicians can't play the keyboard, such as myself, and so I was forced to invent some way of doing it. And for that purpose, there's a special language called music composition language, which is very easy for a musician to use. Wherein you... Joining us in the studio now is Bill Morrow, a Commodore 64 user from Pacifica, California. And behind Bill Gary is a table full of synthesizers, all hooked up to a 64. Bill, you're a very accomplished musician. What is it about this, a Commodore 64 that makes it a good music computer? Number one, it's very inexpensive. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is the SID chip, mm -hmm. and that's uh, the sound interface device. Okay, what does the SID chip do? Well, it makes sound. It has three musicians in it, you could say. And um, these three musicians can play individual notes separate or they can play them simultaneously. We can have a flute and a bass and a violin playing all at the same time. Okay, and then you can experiment with the different sounds and mix right. them and so forth. Right. I can study the attack, delay, and sustain right. and release. Okay. Now you've got some software in here, uh, some composition software called Master Composer, is it? Uh-huh. Show us how that works using the SID chip, Bill. Well, here you can see I already entered a few notes. Okay. So let me go over here. 
and uh, I have three voices. I've got my musician number two here, mm -hmm. and um, uh, you see I have some rest up there. Mm -hmm. So I have about, uh, I would say I have 16 positions that I can uh, okay, if you wanted up. to go ahead now and listen to that music you would just uh, put in there. And this is using only a SID chip, right? right. No, no uh, synthesizers. Right? No, just the Commodore. Okay. Okay, okay you want to listen to it? Yeah. Uh, all right. And it's showing the notes that it's playing mm -hmm. as it goes on. Huh? That's all just exactly coming out of the 64. as it, they're playing. That's all coming out of the 64. No help. And they're the notes you had entered before. This right. is a little piece of music you wrote in there. Okay, can we turn that off just a second? And I want to ask you now to give us the whole ball game here and hook up all your synthesizers and see if the 64 can handle all of that. So right. what do we do to do that? Okay, first of all, I have the MIDI interface hooked to the Commodore, hooked up with the Commodore. And from the MIDI interface, I go through uh, my MIDI through bo box, mm -hmm. which we can't see. And from that, I'm hooked up to one, two, three uh, keyboards which all are multi-channels, and I have about I have about 14 channels or tracks. Uh -huh. The musician would think of them as tracks, different tracks running. Then we have uh, the drum machine, and we have a sound generator over there, which was which gives me about 16 tracks. And what's the software that's controlling all this? The software is Dr. T's software, and it's a very powerful software. You can. Uh, record with this just like you're recording in a studio, yeah. like they said, take one and you play. Yeah. Or you can insert the notes uh, from... Uh, okay, how about take one? Let's hear what it sounds like. Yes, take one, play. okay. Tell us what you're doing. I'm doing an original tune that um, I and uh, James Anderson co-wrote. Okay. Co Pretty darn good. Yeah. Now let me let me ask you. You're a musician. What's the what's the pleasure of working with something like the C64? You had told us before you were thinking about getting out of the music business, but now you're back in. Well, the mind. pleasure is I don't have to uh, have a lot of musicians to rehearse with. I don't have to tell them play my music simple. I want you know, and I've got a drummer that this crazy machine will just play all <laughs> day long, and I. Most of the time, I would wear musicians out. I like to rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. And these guys say, I'm tired. So as a composer <laughs> and as a musician, you have more control I now. I have more control. With pretty little investment, as you said. Oh, it's a very cheap investment. Thanks so much for being here.
Hi, I am Anna. This is my demo. Fortnite, the sandbox video game, has become so popular that its maker, Epic Games, is ponying up $100 to $300 million to supply prize money for esports tournaments. What it HASNT ponied up for at least not yet is an Android version. Which means the bad guys are having a field day. The scourge of fake Fortnite Android apps spreading around the web, looking to entice desperate mobile gamers hungry for a version they can play on their Galaxy devices, at all and because the game has not been officially released for the platform, these have been quite successful. The Google search Fortnite for Android is one of the first autofill suggestions for search terms, indicating its popularity. All too often these searches go to scam sites. Fortnite is a mostly free online multiplayer role-playing game where gamers can buy skins to become different characters and species, along with armor and other accoutrements. They can also build structures and do battle and generally live an old life within the Fortnite world. Google Home and Chromecast devices allow attackers to uncover the precise physical locations of the connected gadgets thanks to two common Internet of Things issues present in both. A fix from Google is incoming in July. That issue is, like many other IoT devices, they don't require authentication for connections received on a local network. And, locally HTTP is used to configure or control embedded devices. The confluence of these properties means that web browsers and, therefore, webs can sometimes interact with network devices Young explained in a blog post on Monday, it turns out that although the Home app which allows users to configure Google Home and Chromecast performs most actions using Google's cloud, some tasks are carried out using a local HTTP server. Commands to do things such as setting the device name and Wi-Fi connections are sent directly to the device without any form of authentication. Taplock, a smart padlock that received positive reviews and media hype when it was released earlier this year, has issued a critical patch after researchers discovered several security hack into and unlock the device. The $100 lock is Bluetooth-based and can be fingerprint activated. At first glance, everything about the taplock seemed promising the lock is described as unbreakable by its manufacturer, and has received positive reviews by various media outlets. 
The company also raised over $300,000 on Indiegogo in 2016, before it went into production and was released in March 2018. Hey, listen, I just sent up a message to your old buddy Carl Sagan, who apparently has been spying on this whole, this whole time. I, did you hear that? That wasn't a bird. That was artificial intelligence, man, I'm telling you. Now, hopefully man behind the machine is not listening to this, but I gotta say, to those who are listening in, I called off Carl Sagan. I didn't want him spying on man behind the machine. I didn't want it to be uh, obvious, okay, that we're tapped in, uh, uh, that we're listening in on man behind the machine's motivations, salutations, and congratulations uh, during all of his, uh, what do you call it, uh, precipitation applications, all right? It's his business. However, my business is cracking the code. And I'm leaving it up to you, dear listener, to help me figure it out.